0: Seven, three, Who's number one?
1: Hey guys, happy Friday to everybody out there chase and michael back with another episode of who's number one a very exciting show start today sorry i have a little bit of an echo in my ear so i'm i'm getting crossed up but uh, we have two very special guests bernardo faria and marcelo garcia are on the call today we're still working on getting marcelo online having some technical difficulties but he's right there right around the corner so but we do have bernardo we're going to kick off the show get the game going here bernardo how you doing my friend how's life right now Yeah. Uh,
2: I, I'm, I'm happy that I'm healthy and safe.
1: Yeah, I feel bad asking that question because everyone's kind of got the same response. <laughs> everyone's everyone's not <laughs> too sure right now, but we're very happy yeah. to hear that uh, you're doing okay. Um,
0: yeah. What are you up to these days? You working out at home? Are you doing any like solo drills or anything like that? What are you doing to to stay busy?
2: Uh, normally, when I used to compete, I used to work out of Kirabel at home. Like uh, that was part of my physical conditioning. So I still do some exercise like that, especially on those days. And I'm also like walking and running. I, that That's kind of like, that's been my physical exercise that I have been doing during these days. But uh, it's not being fun. I just going training jiu-jitsu, going teaching jiu and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I think everyone feels the same way. I know I definitely am really missing the mats these days. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you've made a very successful transition from full-time competitor to having your own academy, you're a big part of BJJ Fanatics you know, uh, let's talk about what that transition was like to running your own school and just sort of um, leaving the competition behind, You know, what, what has Jiu-Jitsu become, uh, become for you today?
2: Yeah, so when, when Michael and uh, I, I have two business partners on BJJ Fanatics right? both called Michael, so when uh, Michael and I started this I was still competing and doing the, the online stuff for BGA Fanatics. And uh, and coincidence enough, like uh, 2015 was the best year that I ever had in my career. And I was also doing this stuff. So I think it was a lot because I took out that heavy plate on the shoulder, you know, like that, uh, that jiu-jitsu is all you have in your life and you got to win that tournament no matter what. And uh, I, as I already had uh, like another thing to do, I started competing way more like relaxed and with less pressure than, than than before. But at some point everything started getting very heavy, you know, like and, and I was working a lot online and I saw that my motivation to compete, to train, started to decrease. So I won the double gold in the words in 2015. I competed again in 2016. I got hurt. And then also I got hurt. I made a plan that I'm gonna compete one more year. And I will be done competing. So that was 2017, and I got second in the worlds that year. And then also, I finished that World Championship. I was like, that's my last one. And uh, and then I, as Mike, as both Michael's living here in Massachusetts, it was a much easier transition for me to move to here, open a school over here, and do everything here. Then moving somewhere uh, somewhere else, you know. So I ended up coming to massachusetts and i'm here since 2017 and uh, loving living here
0: you you brought up your 2015 run which that was a really amazing when you did double gold at pans and worlds that year uh you beat some yep. really big names it looks like i mean you you tapped Leandro twice that year you beat trans you beat Telus you tapped herber with the knee bar man you had a great twice. run you beat <laughs> yeah tapped herber twice with yep. the knee bar were those both from yep. the double under Yes, both from the over-under. And, uh, uh, I see, yeah, I I got see got Marcelo so, Garcia so, uh, up on our screen over there. Uh, All right, Marcelo we got too. him in.
3: <laughs> you guys, too. <laughs> <laughs> hey.
0: <laughs> hey, yeah, so you that, that double-under uh, or that over-under uh, knee bar that you did, you were just a monster with that thing when you were competing. At one, at, at one point, you were tapping like half your uh, opponents with it. How did you start developing that knee bar from the over-under?
2: Like, uh, I always used to do over-under and half I always felt myself like as the non-talent athlete. So so in my view, it was always easier to try to master like a couple or few techniques and be really good on that than trying to learn everything and be average on everything. So I always tried to focus on certain techniques. And then over-under was one of them. And then I found the submission from there. And I found that submission from there and I started working and uh, I started testing on tournaments and uh, it was one of my favorite submissions. I think uh, there was a time that I had like 18 matches and I finished 14 with that. So it was really good. So uh, to make a conclusion here, I'm not the type of Marcelo Garcia guy who is good on everything. So (laughs) so for me it was easier to to focus on two or three techniques.
1: Marcelo, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Sorry about the technical difficulties. How are you doing out there? You're in New York City right now, I think, and uh, it's definitely one of the crazier places in the world right now. How's everything going for you?
3: Uh, it, it, it's hard. It's hard to talk about New York because we don't know what the future is saying. But when when the governor said he was going to close everything, I just I just came to Florida. I my family we inside we inside the apartment like for three weeks before. We, I, we took the kids up uh, from the school like uh, two weeks before everything happened because we, we were discussing that thing maybe was going to get like kind of bad. So we already stuck inside the apartment three weeks before. And then when we did three weeks and then the governor said he was going to close, we are like, we can't. We can't stay here like a couple more months. It would be terrible. And I just drove to Florida. I, I have my I body have here. He, he helped me out with a house over here. So I'm, I'm just stuck in the house. But better than the apartment. I can't complain.
0: You down there with Laborio? You said, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Tell tell Laborio, uh, tell Laborio, I said, hey, he's a a friend of mine. Uh, I've known him from being the Carlson Gracie team and everything for two junior and all that. But so you're down in Florida right now?
3: Yes, I'm. I'm I'm in the house. I I don't even feel the Florida that (laughs) much.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Going back to Bernardo's uh, over under, if anybody can go study that thing, Bernardo, do you remember when you came to Carlson's and taught a seminar? When I went to work? carlson's in chicago yeah yeah, yeah. Man, it. yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I I learned yeah. your over under from you back then and it's still that's my that's my go-to pass still because that thing is so, uh, yeah, that's, awesome. yeah,
2: no, so that's also yeah right so
0: so effective
2: I, I, I used to say that's a very good passing for who is bad in jiu-jitsu
0: it's good for me because i never train hard enough to have good cardio <laughs> so i can't i can't stand that's up and toronto yeah. people all the time but the over under works perfect for me
2: no, uh, at what, awesome. at what point
0: did you start training with Marcelo?
2: So, the first time I ever rode with Marcelo was in 2009 in Atlanta, in one camp, and uh, and uh, it's a fun thing is that uh, I knew everything about Marcelo. Everything. I think I know more about his titles <laughs> than he does. Like I know every year each title that he won on each belt, each age division, and uh, so I was a big fan. So in 2009, I trained for him also, and uh, I felt like training that superhero, you know, like oh my god, I'm gonna train Marcel. <laughs> and then in 2013, he he needed one instructor on his school, and uh, Fabio Gugel. I was in São Paulo. He knew that I, I wanted to move to US at some point, and that so Fabio made the bridge. So I, I barely knew Marcel. I just had met him like in, in Atlanta in the seminar, and uh, we had crossed each other in some tournaments. But I think uh, I was always nice with him. He was always nice with me. So when that opportunity showed up, I took it <laughs> right away. <laughs>
1: what was it like, uh, you know, moving from Brazil to New York City? You know, how, how did the vibe change? What was the difference just training at Marcelo's and teaching there? You know, that must have been a big switch for you, Bernardo.
2: Yeah, so when I when I saw that the entire jiu-jitsu world was moving to America, right? Like, for example, penems words, words no gi, Pan Am's no gi, everything was in U.S., you know, so... I had that goal to move to US you know, like and, uh, I was under Fabio and I would always tell him, like, uh, uh, as soon as some opportunity show up for some Alliance affiliate or something, let me know because I want to go. And uh, my biggest concern was always that I was in the mirror of my career. I remember that year that I went to Marseille, for example, I, I was in the first place in the ranking. So I always wanted to go to a place that I could also keep my training on high level. So I was always concerned about moving to... Somewhere that I would not have tough, in, tough training partners and this and that. So when Fabio told me that, that Marcelo needed someone, I was like, what? Like, learning from Marcelo? Training from, with Marcelo? I knew that over there, there were a lot of, like, very tough kids as well. Which, like, Matheus Gideos was brown belt. Joset was purple belt. So everything was, like, the it was the best experience for me. And and then living in New York City as well, right? Like, as you were asking, like... Uh, was uh, was a very different experience, and I think like uh, when you live in New York City, you learn a lot because it's very it's, it's very tough living. You know, I mean, you you it up living there. Like,
0: you, there's no cars. Yeah.
2: You gotta take a subway with a heavy backpack. You know?
0: Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Mar Marce- Marcelo. Uh, so Bernardo, he's, he's such a humble guy. He won't hype himself up. What was Bernardo like when he got there? Because I mean, Bernardo's. He's an absolute world champ. He had to be a tough role,
3: guys. I, I just want to say, isn't isn't that crazy to have Bernardo say that about about Europe? You know? it's just like a, it's insane. Because I back <laughs> like all 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 everything he said because Bernardo was always such a hard work. But back then, the first time that I I trained with Bernardo, I still remember the train. So I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. <laughs> yeah. 'Cause usually you remember when you lose, you know, you don't remember when you win. You know? No, I didn't
2: win in a row. You're being humble. Like, going tough, bro. But uh it was was
3: already the same thing. Like his his half guard sweep. I c I couldn't I I didn't know what was coming, obvious, and I couldn't I couldn't stop. It was just like a, I think he swept me twice.
0: <laughs> so you guys sure. both uh you guys both came through uh, Fabio Garjello's Academy in Sao Paulo, correct? Yeah, that's
3: that's where I feel we most yeah. learn. Yeah, I
0: Yeah, I've been there yeah. before. I worked there last year. They they have both your guys uh, pictures up on the wall. They have those giant pictures of the black belt world champs and everything. Maybe you guys can talk yep. a little bit about what the because uh, so many legends have come through there. Lange, I think Lapri, Gabby Garcia, a bunch of people. What's it like there? What's the training like at that uh, old Alliance in Sao Paulo at Marcelo School? Marcelo goes uh,
2: first because he
3: has more experience than me.
2: <laughs> yeah, let me talk Let's
3: about from before. Okay. Um, I'm Because it, before was was kind of different when Bernardo was there. So let me just say something from the yeah. beginning. And then, sure. then Bernardo can continue from that. Sure. But I never have like a, a black belt to train. And I was brown belt. When I say black belts to train, I mean like a, a high black belt. Um, black belts that compete on their high level tournament. So I, I never have that. I have a, a big gym that I train in Posse but we are the same belt. When, when I, I was blue, everybody was blue. And only Reynaldo was one belt higher than us. When we are purple, he, he was brown. So we never have like a, so many black belts. So when I moved to five in 2002 as a brown belt, I got that, guys. it Was like a dream train. When I say a dream train, like a, you can't imagine the best guys. When I say the best guys, probably was was even was harder to win a a, a match in in the uh, rolling sessions in the train than winning like a mundial back then because it was like all the big names. And I remember one day everybody was training together. A lot of people from Rio was come to train with Fabio in Sao Paulo. And when I say a lot of people, like a. Uh, uh, Rodrigo who was already like a, a completed. Was already like a, a absolute world champion. Uh, Leo Vieira, he was. A, I remember he came. He came like a. And that day he was kind of like coming back to train twenty five. I feel like he even brought like a, a coffee mug to five that day. And I realized I can't believe I'm I'm here. I can't believe I'm I'm having all this training. Terere wasn't the train with me every day. Uh, Damien was 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 my toughest like a training partner. So I was, I was in a dream, and in a dream that I was like, a, I didn't know how to behave, how to deal. The training was so hard. When I say so hard, like I used to train four times a day back then, and then when I got to five, I was like, I, I don't know if I can do two trains a day now because it's just <laughs> too rough. So it was like that, that big change. But unfortunately, like uh, three months later, that was the alliance broke up and bro- break out. And then... I couldn't believe, I, I, I ended up like a, being the, probably the highest belt competitor, competitor guy left. I was the only brown belt that was competing on the high belt. It was Tarsis and Soluso who were both were still like a poor belt. And I, I couldn't believe from there to just us, was just like, it was, it, was, it, was, it was hard. So it was a big change. But at the same time, I was able to have that little taste of like a, to train with, with all the best guys at the same at the same house uh,
1: before Bernardo jumps in there Marcelo I wanted to ask um, was it uh, a wake up call when you first arrived at that at Fabio Jogel's gym and you were getting kind of beat up Like, was that surprising to you did you not expect that or or was it even more impressive than you had expected before you got there
3: was, was always a wake up call every time I trained with Leozinho Comprido Tererê I remember because I used to come visit my, my wife. She was always like a, a student of Fabio. And because she's from Sao Paulo, every time we go going to Sao Paulo, I'll, she was, she used to take me to train at Fabio. And every time I have a train, I, I knew I knew what's coming. But that day was just like a, some real to realize that I was like, okay, now this is my reality. This is what I'm going to have every day. And even with stuff, it was something that I, I always wish. And... You, you cannot ask for more when you when you just wish to have like a at least at least like a good number of people to train and then you look around and you realize that man I have all the best ones like Terere uh, uh, was the black belt world champion on my division as in a black belt and I was still like a, a, a brown belt so I, I was like I, I can't believe I am gonna have to chance change to train with the guy that is already the champion on my division and I was like I didn't have no idea how, how he'll become he starts to become like the biggest like uh, opponent that I ever have on my division.
0: Man, what a room, though! Just th- just think about how crazy that you-, you said you had. So you're in there with Leo Zeno, Comprito, Terray, Damian Maya, just all the different styles of jujitsu. They had to have been just in- incredible training,
3: huh? Yeah, the-, the vibe was 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 hard to explain. I was I I feel like I always I was always the shy guy. And back then, I was even more quiet. I don't want to, like, interrupt nobody, but I was always just kind of, like, absorb everything. And the fun, I remember, like, uh, all the guys was, was uh, competing who can take more steps across the wall, you know what I mean? Like, on the wall. <laughs> and some, some guys, like, uh, oh, who can do the backflip from this position? I was like, oh, I can't believe I'm, I'm in this environment right now. Was, everything was just so challenged and, and new, but, but very, like, a, um, I, I can see that that was, was a place that, like, I can reach my goals. I don't know if it, that makes sense for you guys. I realized, like, that was, like, a, if, that, if there's a higher point in my career that I can get, I believe this is in this type environment.
1: And, Bernardo, what was it like for you? That's a pretty high yeah. praise there from Marcelo. Th- did you have a similar experience?
2: Yeah, so in my case, I, I used to train my hometown and kind of like same as Marcelo. I was not the highest belt on my hometown, but I was the first one to win any word title on lower belts. So I won the word as a purple belt and nobody had ever won words on my hometown. Nobody had ever won like Brazilian natural or anything like that. So we never knew what would be possible to do training in my hometown. So once I finished my college, I also got the black belt in the same time. My instructor told me, like, uh, man, if you want to do this for a living, go find another place. You know, like, go find a place that you can train with all these guys that uh, that are the highest level. And then he advised me to go to Sao Paulo to train under Fabio Bangell. So when I got there, it was kind of like the same feeling that Marcelo had, but like 10 years later. Because it was like Michael Langhi, Sergio Moraes, Tarsis, Leo Nogueira, everybody in the same room. And uh, I was lucky that there was no breakout, so that was very good. <laughs> so uh, the three months later, they were still all there, and uh, so I could train there for like four years, and it was a completely game-changing for me. You know, like uh, in my hometown, I-, I was able to learn like the fundamentals of jujitsu, and I was even able to to win like the world's purple belt open class training in my hometown. But to get that confidence to win the highest level training with those people was like was 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 amazing you know like because I could train I remember like one of my first roles was with Sergio Moraes and he had just beat Crown Gracie and became world champion as a black belt so I I was training for him and and in my mind I could never like uh, even ever train for him you know so when I was training for him I I was like man I can one day become this level as well, you know. Like, uh, I, I you could start building confidence, training with all those champions in San one right? and have Fabio leading everything. I think uh, Marcel knows that. Fabio doesn't doesn't give you any refresh. <laughs> like, it's always a tough time. <laughs> That's why his nickname over there is the General. He's he's always pushing everybody like as hard as he can, and uh, so it was a great experience.
0: Uh, a name a name that you dropped there uh who i've always been a huge fan of he's a lot smaller than you but how often did you uh train with michael Lange?
2: i trained the not super often because i was like super heavy or heavy and he was lightweight so but i trained the him, and uh, i train on uh, on his prime you know like on uh uh, so it was a very good experience. and uh, But I would not train for him as often as I would train for Leonardo Nogueira, for example, was my main training partner over there. Uh, like, okay. Nogueira, we would row every single day, like uh, once or twice or three times. Michael was more like once a week, once every other week, because he would go more towards like the, the group of the lighter people, like middleweight and below. And I would go more towards the other group of people. that was like more like medium heavy and, and,
0: and higher. I mean, that's, yeah, a, that's the, a great guy yeah. to work your guard passing against, huh?
2: Yeah, it was it was it was a great experience. Like uh, his guard is really really good, you know. Like it's like a it's another level of spider guard.
0: Yeah, uh, Marcelo. So you talked a lot about the yeah. training partners. What was the uh, the general? What was uh, Gurgel like as a as a leader?
3: Guys, right. I've, I've been I've been I've been waiting to talk about this, and, and I'm glad you asked because uh, I moved to São Paulo in December 2002. And that was the year that Fabio became world champion in IBJJF in the adult division the last time. So that was his last title. So imagine, like, it was all these guys, Tererê, uh, Cumprido, Leozinho. Demia got the black belt in that month, in the end of 2002. And Tellis, Eduardo Tellis also got his black belt. So Tellis was on the, on the team too. So Fabio was, on, was still on his prime. So imagine like all these people were just like, it was too much fun, but I was always like a, a, a border half guard player. I felt like I, I, I need to, I, I didn't have that much speed, uh, maybe was missing some technique. I, I, I just feel like a, a, I always felt secure in the half guard and as a brown belt, I lost a match in the Sao Paulo stage tournament against someone that I, I beat twice. And I lost the match because I pulled to the half guard and I couldn't get out. So he got the advantage and he won. That kind of like gave me like a bad taste about that that my, that my game that I was building, that game that was relying so much. So combine that to when I moved to Fabio and I started with Fabio and I, I used to pull him to the half guard and I didn't have no movement, no movement. I was barely be able to breathe the whole mat and not have. Before, before with depression, so combine those two things. So it made me think like I, I I need to I need to improve my game. I need to I need to move on. So five was a, was a big like a uh, uh, part of like a uh, change and and develop like a uh, more options from from the guard because it was 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 pretty rough to be underneath.
1: If you guys could narrow down like a, a piece of strategy or advice that Fabio gave you. Um, what would that be? I know he's a very intellectual guy. He's very uh, smart a strategist when it comes to game plans. Did he give you any tips uh, that directly helps you win matches or, or tournaments, Bernardo or, or uh, Marcelo? Yeah, go,
2: Yeah, I think in my case it was was uh, it was a, it was a lot of things. But uh, what always comes to my mind from Fabio is like uh, it was more the psychology side. You know, like so I remember. You could come to him and say like, mm, "I'm worried about my shoulder that it's a little injured, and I'm gonna compete on Saturday," and he would be always that kind of guy like, "Oh, Saturday? I didn't even gonna feel your shoulder. <laughs> you're not even <laughs> gonna remember about that, you know?" Like, or you say like, "Oh man, I'm kind of worried about this opponent and this and that." And he would be like, "How can you lose to that guy?" You know? He was always, uh, he was, he was always like uh, very confident on ourselves, even more than our, ourselves sometimes, you know? Like so. That's kind of like the first memory that I, I have. But of course that like even like uh, talking more about techniques, he's really, really, really good everywhere in Jiu-Jitsu also, you know? So he he he's not that type of guy like that only knows what he practices. No, he he has one overview of Jiu-Jitsu that's incredible. So you can ask him any question about any technique, even if it's not his game, and he's gonna be able to give you like all the Follow ups and that kind of stuff on that technique, you know, like
1: so. Very nice. Go hey, ahead, man.
2: Marcelo.
3: It's funny because exactly what Bernardo said is 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 exactly described that I would like to give to Fabio. And he he was not much like about like oh let's be technical, do this. It's strategic. He was always like just like a, go there and do it. You're gonna do it. You 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 can do it. It's it's yeah. not. There's not many options. I remember one day was was a big tournament for me. I went, I went, and I competed against some really tough guys. And I hurt my knee. And I woke up in that day. I was about to wait somebody pick me up to drive twelve hours in Brazil in a really dangerous road. That's some people, some really good people, promising to even die on the on that road. So was was like all oh, twelve hours in the car is gonna be terrible and get there and go compete next day will be terrible. <laughs> That morning, when I was about to leave, and I know somebody's gonna pick me up in three minutes, in 30 minutes, I was like, I need to call Fabio, I don't think I can do that. And I called five, I was like, Fabio, my knee, I can't bend my knee. I was like, I was like, no way, my leg is like, a, my knee is swollen, I can't bend my knee. He's like, No, don't worry, go there. Once you, once you wake up tomorrow, probably gonna feel better, and that's it. And I, there was no excuse, I couldn't say anything, you know. And I always took Five reward like that. So whatever he say, I was just go and do it. So I remember, like I just turned off the phone, so upset and and kind of like disappoint. Why why I didn't say anything else? And now I'm 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 right here. And then I end up going. And the reality, I wake up next day, hundred percent, like <laughs> complete hundred percent. And. <laughs> The day before, somebody, I went to a doctor and, and then he he did some pressure point, And I guess, like, uh, he, he pressed the wrong place and then made my knee much tighter. And then the next day, I was competing 100%. And many times, many times, and obviously, and just to add up, I end up having a great result that tournament. I, I, I compete and I won a big, absolute weight in division that day. So that was kind of like, a, was a no-gi and that was like a... a a little bit of like a, a bridge from everything that I went to Abu Dhabi. So combined to all this, I, I think that's part of, of my career. But many times that I felt like a daughter myself. Fabio was I was I was just look to Fab and and wait till he tell me like no you're okay you don't have to do it. He was always like no don't worry you'll be fine just go and do it. So he never gave that that kind of like a. a a quitting option. I don't know if, because we all quit. We all, sometimes we quit in the train, the we tap, we get tired, but he was always kind of like a, just don't give him the option. And, and I, I learned and I, and I got so used to that from him that many times I was in a rolling, I was in a match. Then when I heard his voice, everything changed. I was like, okay, I can't stay here. I'm about to giving up this position. Then heard his voice. Okay, I, I'm not allowed to to giving up this position. That was kind of like the, the feeling that he always gave it to me. So he never like a um, he never let me the option to like a to to quit. He he always knew. He always believed on us more than than we do. Uh,
0: you said that you sort yeah. of bailed on your uh, half guard yeah. that you used to use because Fabio would smash you. Correct? Mm. And, and-
3: not just match. I couldn't move and to do a move, to do a move that you don't have no sequence, there's not even like a, a attempt, I didn't have no attempt, it's just, it's something that doesn't work for me, like if I go to a position and I cannot get out of there, next time I don't go there anymore, I have to, I have to move on. And I think it took maybe two weeks, two weeks, and I was like, okay, I'm done. I can't, I can I can't take it. Yeah.
0: Did, did that lead to you developing your uh, X guard and single leg X guard uh, systems that you ended up being so successful with?
3: Uh, probably, but obviously took some time. But probably was something that I was already doing a little bit before. And and then I start to get so attached to the half guard, and I kind of give up things that I did before. But then. When I realized the half guard was not a much option, I start to pull those moves that I did before, and together with the, all the variation, new techniques that I used to heard from Fabio. But I don't know if you guys ever heard about this. Uh, Fabio was always like a legend, you know, even before us get a black belt, way before, right? And one day I saw Fabio in the TV showing like a, a, he was just like demonstrate some technique with Leo Vieira in a, in a live TV, a big, big TV show in Brazil. And he did, like, some judo throw. He crossed the arm, he grabbed the belt, and then he did, like, a, some tomoinai, I don't know exactly how they call it in, 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 in judo, but it was pretty much something like that. And that day, I started doing one of my favorite sweep because I realized, okay, if you cross the arm on your feet and you grab the belt and then you put your feet in between, you can, you can sweep from the same side that you control the arm. And I realized, okay, I can do that from from, from from my butt. I can do the same thing from sitting down. And I started doing that. I, I And I realized I learned the move, but obviously like, later I realized I can do the half guard too. So I forget this move. And I guess combined with that, what I saw Fabio doing the TV, maybe like a seven, eight years before, and then realize that i cannot do that i have god i start to bring all this together stuff that like i didn't do before and stuff that fabio didn't let me do it now and stuff that i was i was learning from him new so it's just like it's a, it's a long story it's, it's things that like a uh, uh really makes you feel like uh what what a what a good thing to be able to, what what a, um what a great people that were able to to have around you you know
0: yeah, uh, I want to ask first a little bit to Marcelo about single leg X and X guard, then go to Bar- Bernardo on deep path So Bernardo, if you, if you have any questions yeah. or you want to say anything, jump in here too. Marcelo, when you started oh, yeah. when you started really doing good with uh, X guard, how much of that did you de- did people teach you that, or I mean, you you're the one that made it popular, or did you just come up with it on your own training?
3: Uh, I I don't think so, but it's a part of like a one person show one thing, one person show other thing. But I don't remember somebody really showing the X guard. But back then from the half guard, there was a imagine you're in a deep half guard and you just stand up with the person leg on top of the shoulder. So that was like a, a very common uh, sweep. Common sweep, I mean, that was kind of the new move. And for example, Damien was my biggest training partner. We we uh, we kind of like uh, grew up in the belts together. So we always trained together in, in that time. And he used to be great on that sweep and they, um, they used to call that sweep like a throwing on, on the garbage because you just put it over the shoulder and just mm. and just throw. And I realized like from that sweep, when I would stand up, sometimes I start losing, then sometimes I pull back. And I think that was the time that I started doing the, the X guard. And long long story, but like a, and now they may just put some old fights of me that I have no idea. He he knows somebody has, and he stopped putting on his channel. And on that channel, I can see me doing the X guard for the first time that I remember, and it was no gi. And he has like probably my first no gi no gi match from from the time that I moved to five because that was the time that I trained no gi the most. I did a little bit in the beginning, but that was like almost nothing. And that was the same time that I started doing the X-God and I realized, like, oh, the X-God, he was there. And that was before the DVD. That was before the, the first DVD that I did that the guy called the X-God because the guy who did the DVD, he's the one that put the name on the X-God. I never heard about that. I never was <laughs> I was, funny. I never, I was <laughs> never creative enough to give a name for a technique. And so in that In that video, I was doing that before. So I didn't develop, but at the same time, it was like a a, a combination of a lot of things. Uh, That
0: that was awesome. (laughs) And then the the single leg X is a position that is super common now. How did you start playing around with the single leg X position?
3: Oh, it was like um, when the X guy was not work, the person was blocking the hooks. I was just making kind of the same hook or control on, on the only leg that I have left. If I don't have the leg, I have this one. So probably was a little bit from, from, from my, my developer, but it's not something that one day I wake up and I was like, okay, I, I, I figured out I'm going to do this one leg X-cut. It was just like a one position that someone showed you, another position that you're already doing, and then something breaks and doesn't work, and then you have to kind of like rely on something, and then you start to do something that is working for now, and sometimes you're never going to do it again, but then realize, like, uh, okay, it's, it's work, and then you continue to do it. It was, was kind of the same time, problem, But probably right. was, like, uh, after maybe the first Abu Dhabi, I think. I don't think I did that in the first Abu Dhabi, for example.
0: Bernardo, what's it like when uh, Marcelo gets you in single leg X? How hard is it to, to avoid getting uh, swept? Uh, I
2: remember when I was straight for Marcelo, and he no one leg X. Oh. No, I, I can't tell my strategy. What I would try to do is while I was in the one leg x or expert, I would try to set up a way that when he sweeps me, I can find something. Because in my mind, I was already swept. You know, when I got there, I was like, okay, he already got it. Now let me at least adjust something here to make sure when he gets a sweep, he's not on his best, For example, you know, like because one thing that Marcel does that's very very special, like all his techniques is very very well connected. So. When he gets the sweep, it's not like he gets the sweep and uh, oh now let me think what I'm gonna do. No, when he gets the sweep, he's already on his favorite pass. Or he's already in the guillotine, or he's already in the crucifix or anything like that, you know. So everything is so well connected that uh and another thing as well, like that I think it's very special about Marcellus that I think everybody would agree for that. For example, in my case I have half halfware and I have over under, right? So I have like two subjects that I Probably master that 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 when, when someone talks about half there is a chance someone remembers my name. Or when someone talks about the over under, there is some chance that someone remembers my name. About Marcelo, I can mention like ten or fifteen techniques here. For example, when you talk about crucifix, you think about Marcelo. When you talk about guillotine, you think about Marcelo. When you talk about exger, about one leg exger, about butterfly, about like a uh, monoplate, about so north south choke, so. I think this is, like, what made him very, very, very unique in jiu-jitsu that I think is going to take, like, dozens of, hundreds of years for someone to replicate, you know, like. All right, so you and said the,
0: he has all these dangerous techniques. Which one gave you the most trouble in the room, Bernardo?
2: <laughs> there was one that uh, it's it's not it's not even the one that he's the most well-known. But, for example, if I tap into Marcel, like, 100 <laughs> times, 80%, was one submission that he knows which one it is. <laughs> it's <laughs> a monoplata. So uh, Every time someone passed my tries to pass my guard, I'm used to about turning on the knee. So when I would try to turn on the knee, he would throw his leg over here, kind of like going to the mount, and then he would just like sit back and he had a mix of like armbar with a shoulder lock, and uh, he's he's uh, he's really really good at that like. Bernardo, before we Go jump ahead.
1: into uh, to diving into your deep half technique, uh, Marcelo, what do you like about Bernardo's game? There's a lot of things that are really great, but uh, you know, what is something that gave you a lot of trouble that you had fun working through as well?
3: Guys, let, let me just tell the, the I I I don't remember the the single time that I put Bernardo in a single leg like X guard or X guard Bernardo. <laughs> everybody. From Bernard, what he said, everybody kinda knows what he's good, but at the same time, he doesn't he doesn't fail. He doesn't fail. He does, he has no fail on his game. So he has like the under underpass, but then he has the half-guard sweep. And he doesn't play around. He goes, he doesn't go here and there and then open up that game. So I don't have he didn't never give the option to to go to the extra because he was always on his knees and he was always like aware about everything. But <laughs> what was most amazing and I don't think I'm never gonna see that again is like' is like how how Bernardo worked so hard to one position. I, I never saw somebody like a, a put so much energy from one position because we, we all give up. we all used to give up. Maybe I don't give up every day, but I, I can give up today in a position and I can come back tomorrow oh, tomorrow I'm gonna feel really strong I can do tomorrow. But Bernardo he never give up in his moves, like he believed like a hundred percent and and that's what makes everything he got. That's that I think that's like a the reality. And what I'm trying to say, like a, we have to we have to we have to believe that we can do things. We have to have like a, a security in a in a in a things that we believe. And Bernardo has that more than anyone that I ever sees. basically, obviously, like everybody knows he's a hard worker, but he's like so persistent in one thing that he goes straight without just avoid any any demand he just he just give everything out there
0: and then so bernardo i wanted to get into your style a little bit cuz you had a, a like you said you you didn't do much you did the same things but you, it worked on everybody like we said we've seen you pass leandro guard. we talked about you knee bar and herbert uh, how did you start developing your half I, when i when i think of your half guard i think of the half guard whether it's deep half or regular half guard but using the lapel too right you use that a lot how, how, yeah. did you start, how did you start developing that style over the years?
2: Yeah, so when I started Jiu-Jitsu, I, I remember, like, I started Jiu-Jitsu because I was playing, uh, before Jiu-Jitsu, I used to do tennis ball with one friend. And he would beat me on every single game, and I started getting super annoyed of, of tennis ball. I was like, you gotta do something <laughs> else. So I started doing Jiu-Jitsu with this same friend. And uh, since the beginning, my instructor would show all the fundamentals, techniques, right? And I always realized that, that that from every 20 techniques that I would learn, only one or two would work for me. And instead of spending time trying to become the best one on everyone, since the beginning, I was always like, I'm going to take one or two techniques and I'm going to work as much as I can on those techniques. So when I right started Jiu-Jitsu, was close guard. So close guard was my thing when I was like white belt and yellow belt. But then at some point, nobody would let me close the guard anymore. So I wanted to find a way to start a match very quick because I was not a judoka and not a wrestler as well. So I want to pull guard as quick as, I pl- as possible. And half was the easiest way for me to pull guard because I just had to do like a... Uh, if you watch a soccer game and one guy tries to take the ball from the others, they throw themselves <laughs> on the ground. They call it carrinho in Portuguese. <laughs> so I could start every single jiu-jitsu match just like throwing myself towards the guy and, and I would have me on my half and uh, so the that was half gear, you know like and then on on in the half gear, i would have two styles one that i call like the single leg half gear, that's that i go towards my right side and the other one that i would go to my left side that's the deep half gear. so that was from there and then when i was on top it was the same mindset you know like one time i was training and one guy uh his nickname was coke because he, he used to work for the company coke he <laughs> taught me the over under he was like man i think that's gonna work well for you <laughs> and then I learned over under, and I was like, "That's that's my position from now on." And uh, so it was half guard over under. <laughs> uh,
0: Marcelo, we talked with Bernardo about your ex guard. What what's it like being on top of Bernardo's uh, half guard, Marcelo? Uh,
3: you mean on top? Yeah, yeah. Because on the body is just as bad as being on top. But guys Bernardo, Bernard he also is being very humble, but you guys know how, how he has a sequence of submissions, you know. He has yeah. he has a when he talks about his you almost forget because he just say he's good at the underhook pass and the and the half guard sweep. But his close guard is it's so dangerous. And I, I just I, I almost forget that and, and then make me quick remember like how hard
0: was his, his
3: his clothes guard, his omoplata, you guys have no idea.
0: Dude, his omoplata. Uh, his, one, his, one time he came to train with us in Chicago, and he did the omoplata. He, he trained with like 40 people in a row, and he did the omoplata to every single person. He did omoplata in <laughs> the entire room.
3: And, the, and the, the triangle from the mouth, you know what I mean? And the submission from the guard. So all those are the moves that the Bernardo signature. And imagine like a, how much effort that I just told you guys that he put in one move. So he put in all those stuff too, and it's it's unbelievable. But guys, it's easy to be on top, you know. Be on top is easy. But then when you see somebody like a, that works so hard from the bottom, like Bernardo, it's 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 pretty amazing. What what I'm trying to say, like uh <laughs> Guys, there is no like okay, I'm 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 good. He he he's giving up. He's taking a breath. uh oh, he, he knows that there is a thirty seconds left, so he's gonna stop now. That's that doesn't exist. And guys, I'm not just talking because it's Bernard. Bernard is is a great friend of mine. <laughs> we, we know each other for a long time now. But I'm telling the truth and the truth, guys. I never saw somebody that worked so hard to get out of a position. And obviously like, when you're on the body, you don't want to just stay on the body. So imagine like how much, how hard he works, like to get out of the body and times like 10 of anyone that I ever see. Because everybody has like stamina to, to fight maybe one minute and then after one minute, everybody gives up. And if you're, if you're able to hold Bernardo 10 minutes on, on on the body, you're probably gonna have to fight those 10 minutes because he's not gonna take a, a rest you know, from the body. <laughs>
0: Did, did uh Marcelo give you a lot more trouble in your half guard uh, than a lot of other people? I bet, huh, Bernardo?
2: Yeah, I mean to hold Marcelo in the half guard is really really hard. One because he's really good in jiu jitsu, of course, but <laughs> also his legs are very short. So to keep <laughs> to keep his legs locked in the half guard every time his legs gets out of the half guard, you know, like and then and he's not Marcelo, as you all know, is not that type of guy. that's only going to try to press your you. He's going to try to tap you. So anytime you open up your neck, there's a guillotine. If you <laughs> do anything wrong, there is a the There is there is like hundreds of options. So it was 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 a great training for me always. You know? like, and like uh, and even though Marcel is middleweight, every time he would see me on the mat, he would call me to roll, and uh, and uh, so uh, was uh, was very fun. And guys, one one thing that was very fun about rolling for Marcel is that if I ever win the roll he would call me again. <laughs> <Yeah>. ha-
0: <Ha-Milo, laughs> another ha- one, another one. Let's go another one. Then, ha- Ha-Milo, was on, Hamilo was on here last week. He calls that double dipping. He says, he says if somebody beats you or does good, and then you, you get him again into double dip. That's what he calls
2: it. So, and, and for example, I was at his school, right? So and, and I was considering myself his student, so I would never call him, right? And the days that he would tap me, end of the re- end of the row, thank you, Bernard. Nice one. He, so it was very very funny. So, so the days that I was doing well against him, in my mind I was like, Jesus, man, this is going to be like 30 minutes, raw. <laughs> he's going to call me again, and, again. And, uh, and, the, and the other side of the coin, the day that it, the, he was doing well against me, I was looking to the clock and I was like, I have one minute left to make something happen. <laughs> there is
3: no second row. So it was very very funny. You
2: know? I did a lot those times.
1: Oh, man, <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that was not
3: easy. That
2: was not No, but one thing that I tell a lot about Marcelo and also about Lucas Leper, like, uh, v- because I was very heavy, it was not very common that I would see, like, a lightweight or middleweight that they would call me to, to roll all the time. So Marcelo, every single time I was on the mat, he would call me to roll. And the few times that I visited Lucas as well, on his school, he would always call me, like, first row and last row, you know, like, so, uh, I mean, like, I, I, for a lightweight, middleweight training with, like, a super heavy every day, <laughs> I know, it's not the easiest thing, so I really appreciate that a lot, like.
1: <laughs> Before we uh, dive into your ADCC career a little bit, Marcelo, I wanted to ask you about a more recent uh, event. You coached your student, Mateus Denise to his first ADCC world title, I just want to ask you what that moment was like for you, and uh, how special that must have been.
3: Um, guys, we we've been we've been very honest over here. Everything we say, is like uh, it, it's happened, happened with me, happened with <laughs> like them. we've been really true over here, you know. And the reality, like uh, um, when when Mateus won the first ADCC, obviously I, I was super happy. But it's something that it's almost like you, you couldn't really realize this really happened. I don't know. A lot, you see a lot of people when they won, when they become a champion, if they're working so hard for them for many years, when that happened, you're like, that's it, that happened. I, that really happened. You just like, a, you you want to feel something change right away, but it just happened. And you almost like a, a take some time to realize that. So I was super happy when he won, but at the same time, I was like, really? That, that really happened? It's like, it's almost like a uh, you, you you don't believe that really happened. I don't know I don't know if I be I I know I'm be honest but I'm just want you guys understand that like I I was super happy but uh, you know you when you just we we just don't like a assimilate it like I, I can't believe you know he really did it right? and and was was awesome everything.
1: I remember um you did a really long interview, uh, a great interview. We call walk and talk with Reed uh, a little bit before ADCC, and you mentioned something similar about after you won your first ADCC title, where before you had won, you thought things were going to change a lot, and it was going to be, you know, uh, a world changing event for you. But it kind of maybe felt similar. Could you t- explain what you meant a little bit and how um, I'm sure Bernardo might might have had a similar experience, you know, after winning a title like. Uh, what was it like uh winning your first world title and, and did it change things for you guys?
3: Oh, obviously like the change will come, but comes like slow and it's not that you you, you become world champion and you know, someone's gonna handle like a uh a, a king crown or anything like that. So don't not <laughs> act obviously like, but I, I feel like I feel like you, you work so hard for something and then you want something changed, but doesn't happen to change. But always, like, a, you gotta be happy with the with, with your accomplishment. You gotta be happy with like a, uh, the journey that you took to get there, and then realize that's that's the most important because you you kind of like you know you did all the steps right to be able to to win. But but at the same time, like, uh, the change doesn't come next day. The change come with time, and it, everybody starts like a call for seminars. And the, the, what I'm talking about seminar. It's not just like, okay, now I, I can make money. But it's just about like, oh, people really want to get to know you. Uh, people really want to t- kind of like a, a try study your, your jiu-jitsu. So those are the things that is, you start realize like happen after you won like a, a big title. People start to value something that you already value so much. So I realized like that's, that's the best part of like... A, Imagine before I just want to train jiu-jitsu. I wanna have everybody to train jiu-jitsu. I wanna have people to so I can train jiu-jitsu. So once you, you kinda of win the world title or, or any big championship, people start to want to train with you and not just you want to train with them. So make things like so much easier like oh I can have jiu-jitsu all the time because everywhere I go, people will be happy to train with me. I don't have I don't have as a blue belt, I don't have to go pick up somebody in the house to come train with me anymore. I don't have to keep calling people to come train with me anymore. So those are the things that like I uh, changed the most after I, I won the first world title. Like uh, people start to believe on, on, on my work. People start to value like uh, my time that I put on jujitsu. But I, I, I remember like I talked a lot about that in, in the interview and it's it's you know nothing's gonna change, don't think it's gonna change right away, but you know, you're going to have your
0: value after that. You know. On the same vein, Bernardo, after you, uh, you've you won a lot, but after you finally got that Absolute World title, uh, how did that change things for you? How did you feel?
2: Yeah, like uh, the, the the Open class was always a dream for me. And, and uh, I had won already like on all the other IBJF tournaments. I had one like in the Europeans, South American, Brazilian Nationals, and Pan Ams, the Open class. And the only one that I hadn't won yet was the – words, so so it's kind of like a similar feeling to when I won my first World title. like I felt like taking out a truck from my shoulders because <laughs> like, I, I always wanted to win, but I never knew if I would ever win. So the feeling that uh, because I mean, how many people go and never win the words open class or how many people never win the words as a black belt, right? It's uh, way more than those who actually do it. So when I won, I felt like taking out a truck from my shoulder. But when I won my first world title, I have a good story too, because uh, I remember that I won the, the World of the Black Belt 2010. And then one or two weeks later, I knocked on Fabius Gurrial's door in, in Sao Paulo. And I told him, I was like, I just won the world, so now what do I do? <laughs> <I'm> like, what? <laughs> so like, now I'm, here I am. What should I do next? And uh, like, uh, what's going to change in the audience, right? And then Fabio gave me the best advice, I think. He was like, Man, listen, every year there are 10 new black belt world titles. So there are 10 new people winning words every year. On top of that, there's ADCC. So now you're going to take what you did this year and be consistent and do that again and again and again and again. And <laughs> you're going to be very, very well recognized. And if you think about in jiu-jitsu especially, like uh, the people who really... Become like a uh, very well recognized in jiu jitsu is not the one who wins the words title once, it's those who can who are able to be on the top level like for 10 years, like as Marcelo did. As like, uh, we can start s- citing some names here, but maybe like uh, Roger Gracie, Marcelo, Shandy, and uh, and many other names like Lucas. And uh, I think those are the ones who get the credit in the end, you know. if If you just win the words 10 years later. It's sad but people sometimes don't even remember where that you won or who you are, you know, like so I think in Jiu Jitsu just winning the world title is almost like not enough. You gotta win over and over and over and over, or at least be on every finals, or at least be beating like the the top levels for many years and then they they recognize you, you know, like oh, I know this guy, you know? that kind of stuff. I don't know if you guys agree, but
0: yeah, no, it makes opinion. yeah, it makes sense. I tell people that all the time. It's like just went like jujitsu is not being in the NBA. Just winning, uh, people aren't going to remember. They got just like you said, you got to do something that they remember. You got to be dominant. Uh, talking yeah. about the, you brought up all those legendary names. Something I wanted to go through with you guys. Uh, I'll let Marcelo go first, and then we'll go back to Bernardo. I'd like to hear about describe. I I don't want to say rival really, but describe a, a competitor that really pushed you. That really like who was your biggest test throughout your career as a competitor, and and how they pushed you, and what it was like competing against them. Marcelo, I'll let you go first.
3: Um, guys, we we always remember from people that we lose. I I'm not the type of guy that I'm attached attached to the to the winning. You understand? But probably like uh, my first year, my first years as a black belt, and. It's not excuse, but I, I like to bring that up because people are never gonna care about that. But it's 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 tough because my tough year. That was the year that I competed against area four times, and on that first year I lost all the four times. And he he was someone that like uh, taught me a lot because was was very intimidated. I was I was carrying a lot of pressure um, from the break. Out of their lines, and I was kind of like the only one that wasn't black belt. But I sure everybody think I should sure w- have laughed their lines too. But I, because I was, I felt I was nothing. I was like, I'm not the one that like can go here and there. I, I'm gonna stay here because I don't make a difference. I'm, I'm the only one. I'm the only one from this whole group. I'm the only one that is a brown belt here. Everybody was a black belt already. So to have that responsibility, like, okay, now I'm gonna compete against. Some of them who laughed was just like a, was really tough, and I'm not I'm not using this as excuse, but I'm just saying like a, I learned a lot from that, and I I never let depression make me lose those those fights. Every time I lost to today, I lost because he was better than me. Was it wasn't depression, but I'm I'm just saying like a, that taught me a lot. Taught that like a, I can, I can deal with depression, I can win, I can lose. And I still can can come back and and do it again and try to win no matter what. And he he was obviously like he was stated it. Everybody everybody still considered him like a, one of the best like a middleweight. But he made me learn so much because guys, I compete against someone that was like a, I was I have the intimidation. Someone that was like a kind of like a friend and little coach because he was like a, a one of the instructors at five year school and then I have to compete against him. But I I never like to back away. I never I never I never like uh, give up the challenge because I felt the responsibility. I was the only one left to represent like the alliance in, in that in that scenario. Like when I say that scenario in a black belt for example. That was the first year as a black belt and that was the first uh, final in the Mundial against LD. But he was the type of guy, guys. I competed against him four times. All the four times was a different match. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't stay like a three of those mats on my feet. I didn't stay on my on my on my half guard three three of the mats. Every match I try to do something different. So basically, like I I I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot like someone that I I, I never beat. I don't know if I can consider he, he lost on my division in the DCC, but I never really beat him, but I I, I learned a lot, and I was forced, I was forced to learn in, in a really tough way, really tough way. When I say tough way, like uh, I, I was really like, a, in, uh, having a lot of pressure to win, but I couldn't win. Other ways, like uh, the first the first cover in a magazine in a Mundial Black Belt was me tapping a triangle. So I never I was, I was never nobody. But because I was losing for today, okay, you're gonna go in the final of the Mundial, or you're gonna go to the cover tapping a triangle. So you know you got you gotta learn. You gotta learn. And I and I felt I learned that. And you he he's someone that like a, he he puts the bar on the highest stand that I ever felt. Because that was somebody that I know he's he can be better than me. He probably is gonna be better than me. But I still have the, the responsibility to have to try my best to beat him. But at the same time, like uh, uh, doesn't work the first time. That wasn't work the second time. If they call me again three times, I I win. They call four time, I win. So you know, you you gotta learn. And I feel like a, a lot of my career work because all that because that year that that first year was really tough. But a lot of things came true on, on that year
0: uh he had such a dynamic style. What what was your game plan like going into those matches? How do you strategize for that? Because he's uh, he's good at so many different things. It
3: was was a lot. It was it was a lot. I told you, like I changed so many times. I for the first fight I just like okay I'm just gonna do everything. Everything when I say, everything like I'm gonna start from the beginning up to the end. Like uh, just go go go, and then he just kind of like a. Uh, uh, he just capitalized a big mistake. On the next fight, I was like, okay, I, I'm not going to rush too much. I'm going to weigh this position. I'm going to do this. And then I was like, he still won by just the advantage. So I realized he was always, he was so strategic. He was just so strategic. Like if I go forward, 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 he's just going to wait and just going to count one of my moves. If I just stay here, he's just going to stay here with me. He's gonna—he's not going to risk. So he's always like a play the uh, pain of the situation. He was never like a desperate. He, he was always like a, a very smart guy to, to compete. Uh, but one thing I, I I'll say <laughs> and I wish that could be part of my strategic, He never pulled out on me. And after everything that happened, you know, he, he stopped competing. One day he looked at me like a, he looked at me and he told yeah, Marcel, nobody knows, but I'm never gonna pull guard on you. you know? <laughs> so, that, that would be probably like my dream. Dr- my dream is strategic, you know. If you have a pull guard on me, <laughs> do
0: you think? Uh, do you think you were maybe intimidated by him a little bit because he had been an older member, a senior member at Alliance when you first got there? Do you think that was in your head a little bit? I I could have
3: used that as excuse, but not you know I yeah. I I can feel guys. I can feel every fear. I can. not I can put all the goals on my mind. But any one of those things doesn't stop me to move forward. I don't know if that makes sense. I'm, I'm, I'm a human being. I, I fear everything you guys could ever imagine. But I'm, I'm the type of guy that, even if I'm scared, I am just, I'm, I'm just react forward. So I, I cannot use that as excuse. But I can use that like a, from today. Today, I have the experience to know that someone in, in his first year as a black belt Cannot really like uh, beat like in, he's not supposed to in his first year in the black belt beat someone that has won so many world titles. It's it's not supposed to, and I, I have that reality today. So, so basic like uh, uh, I don't I don't beat myself. I oh I never beat it. I was like, yeah, I I, I can complain. I I it was my first year. I, I got to the final that same year. I won my first DCC, and then everything works really good after that. I can't I can't complain.
0: All right, Bernardo. Now we'll let you get. Let's get to you. Who was uh, somebody that really pushed you throughout your career that uh, made you drive to get better?
2: Yeah, with me, without a doubt, was Rodolfo Vieira. Yeah, I know was you're to say that. Yeah, I competed against him probably like more than ten times, and I lost all of them, and uh, was very like. Uh, was a very challenging for me because I lost to him by every single way that, that's possible to imagine. Like, I lost by submission, I lost by a lot of points, I lost by last 30 seconds I was winning, and then he passed my guard. I lost by the decision, by one time I thought it was a referee mistake, whatever. I, I, I again, like, I was smashing by him a lot of times, he tapped me a bunch of times. So, so but I always had that feeling that. OK, next time I'm going to win, because <laughs> like, uh, this one was close. And then even when he would tap me, I would always get out of the match feeling like, if I had done this different, next time I can do better. So I think uh, well, nowadays I'm thankful that I compete against him so much, because I think I learned so much through the match. And that pushed me to train so hard, but so hard, that uh, that then 2015 became my best year in my career. You know? like. So I think it was all that experience accumulated. That uh, so, but uh, but I remember that during the, that phase that I was competing against him it was a really tough phase, you know, like because it, it was someone stealing my dreams over and over and over on every single finals, you know, like finals of the division of the worlds, finals of open class of the worlds. Then next year Europeans division and open class finals, PMs division and open class finals. So every tournament. We were both in the finals of division and open class, division and open class. And uh, even when we were not in the, fa- in the finals, it was semi finals or something like that. And uh, so, and then I moved up one division. One year later, he moved up one division as <laughs> well. So I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and,
0: uh, so, um, was- Hadalfo is yeah, obviously he, he's a he's a total monster. When Bucceca was on here a couple weeks ago, he said he won't even let Adolfo demonstrate a technique on him because his pressure is is so strong. <laughs> what, what's the what's the pressure like of Adolfo Vieira?
2: Yeah, like uh, it's uh, it's undescribable. Like uh, everyone should roll for him in the same way that I said everybody should roll for Marcel. That's a should be part of everybody's jiu-jitsu journey. Everybody should pull Hodova to the halfway and let him put a pressure <laughs> in your face
0: also. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like that. So I don't like that. Idea. About. <laughs> I, th- I think you told me yeah. when I was in Boston, uh I think this was when I was in Boston, uh, that uh you said that sometimes it felt like he was gonna literally like gonna break your neck when from his pressure.
2: I felt it would break my joint here, like your jaw my, uh, yeah, my jaw. Yeah. And uh, and I would not open the guard anyways. Uh, opened it halfway. <laughs> but uh it was was really, really tough. I really felt like my jaw is gonna break. I'm I'm sure. Like it it's about to break. Like it was so much pressure that it's even hard to describe.
1: Guys, and, uh, you've you've both uh conquered some of the biggest titles in the world multiple times over. But I wanted to ask if there's any specific win that stands out the most. Like when you think about the best day of your career. Do you guys have a match that, that stands out to you? Uh, Marcelo, I'll let you answer that one first.
3: Um, Prague was like my first ADCC. And it's not just because of how happens. What was huge for me, how that happens. From, from before and obviously after. But it's because like that was the first time that people outside get to know my name. When I say outside, like outside my gym. That was the first time that, like, uh, uh, people start to recognize my, my work. Because until that people know like, oh, he's he, he's working really hard. But I was like, nobody knows if he's going to make or not. And that was the same feeling that I have to. I don't know if I'm going to make or not. But then that was the first time that people looked at me and start to kind of, like, a look up for me. Like, a, I remember that was a, a Japanese that came training with me, like, in two weeks later. Just came to São Paulo just to train with me so that was kind of like that, that that's why I feel like that ADCC was huge for me and probably if, if I'm gonna say and I, I don't like to bring that up because I, I love Shaolin he's, he's, he's a, a great friend of mine but probably it was just Shaolin because that, that fight because that was kind of like a how, that was probably like a, a lot of people thought he was the one that probably was gonna win that, that year and for me, I felt like, okay, this is going to be the toughest match. Because I just have competed against Hans and won. So make me feel like, uh, okay, if I can beat the next one, what is Salim, I'm done. I, I can win the final. It would will be will be, will be like uh, done. So I, I knew that was probably going to be the, the final, I, I believe. And the way that was, was too quick. I wasn't able to even assimilate how that happened. <laughs> I didn't believe he was, he was asleep on that choke. So things like that, you know, and I don't know, I don't know if it makes sense. And I, I think I, I told that before to, to photograph him, like Like, uh, when I stand up and I, and obviously he was still sleeping, I, I, I felt I did something that like, I wasn't supposed to do it. I wasn't supposed to win that tournament. So it was like a, why, why you, why you submit him? You, you, you still like a uh, almost a brown belt. You just got a black belt. So just such a, a crazy feeling on, on the mat, and and obviously like everybody was kind of shocked, I guess, with someone that nobody knows and win and, and be able to finish the guy who 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 was the guy who's supposed to be the champion. But then when I came close to everybody from the gym that came to watch me and there, there I realized, okay, you guys are happy. You guys, I, I, I'm fine. I didn't do did anything wrong, but it's not, it's not just because Charlene, because I don't want to bring that up, but it was just because like that moment, that was the moment that kind of like things changed. That's the moment that people start looking at me and like, okay, your, all your hard work now has paid off. So it was, it was, was, was huge for me like that day it was not just the fight but probably that was the final i believe i don't i don't know if you guys know but uh, on the other side i, I compete against other awesome, who is a, yes. a great wrestler but people did not know him that much but he beat terere and uh, and he beat like a daniel Moraes, who has beat terere on on the on the on the trials of the adcc and mm-hmm. Shaolin has beaten it twice in the, in the years before in, in the, in the gear. So it was like, a, so it was, was, was huge to, to me, be able to go against Shaolin that day. And guys, he's, he's the youngest black belt I ever know to win the, the war title. I don't know if you guys know all the, the details, but to me growing up to see everything he has done and and on that mat to be able to go against me and things happen the way it was like a it's it's doesn't 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 like a uh, also make sense on my mind you know what I mean?
0: All right, Bernardo, your biggest win in your career. What do you think?
3: Yeah, you know, like
2: there, the, it's hard to point one. You know, but for example, when I won the purple belt open class of the words, living in my hometown and not knowing if that was possible or not was. I have in my mind like uh, even until today, like I didn't believe it, you know, like and uh, and the and the, the open class was one day before the division. The open class was started and division on on Sunday, so I, I I didn't even sleep that day. And then next day I lost in the finals of my division, and I did like eleven matches. And uh, it's not an excuse. I think I would lose anyways, but not because I didn't sleep. But I didn't even sleep. I was completely awake the entire night. So that was special. Then when I won my first world title. Then, uh, when I won my Pen Ams double gold first time as well, well, in the finals of the Open class, was against one opponent that you would always use to beat me, that was Bragan Eto. and uh, And I used the Omoplata that we were talking about. So he was really good passing half And then 40 seconds left. Oh, it's good that Marcel is here, because this story is good too. So <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was in the Pen Ams, and I, I was competing against Bragan Neto and he had beat me four times before. And it was the finals of the open class of the PNMs. and uh, I was fighting against this guy who always used to smash me, and I was playing half and he used to train for Gordon, the one who invented half So he was really good passing half And uh, I couldn't sweep him, I couldn't sweep him, I couldn't sweep him, and he was beating me by advantage, and then like 10 seconds, one minute left, I hit the omoplata, and then I was like twisting his shoulder, he didn't tap, and then Marcel screamed for from outside. He was like, Let go the omoplata and go to the back, and I didn't even thought about that. But if I would let go the omoplata and go to the back, I would score two points. So I did that. I let go the omoplata and went to the back, and then two like ten seconds left. I got two points, and I won the Pan Am's open class, and it was was very was very nice feeling. Like uh, I was losing the entire match. And within ten seconds, I was like Am's double gold champion. <laughs> I guess a guy who who always used to beat me. So that was another special day. And the day that I won the double gold in the words as well was. So was I think it was, it's, it's it's hard to point like one day. You know, like a, there were a few moments that uh that comes like a highlight in my mind.
0: We'll let you use both. That that's yeah. fine. <laughs> uh, we've had a ton of a ton of uh fan questions for you guys. I wanted to get to a couple of them uh, real quick. One of them that's a uh, pretty good question from this guy Leo Cardistry in the uh YouTube uh, comments is he wants to know what is the most valuable lesson that jujitsu ever taught you. I let Mar- I'll let Marcelo uh what do you think the most valuable thing that jujitsu taught you Marcelo? <clears throat>
3: Guys, yeah, if it's just one and the most valuable i i i i would say like uh be able to think and breathe when i'm in the most stress situation when i say the most stress like uh under the most pressure when 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 I have to make like the biggest decision of my life i i can stop and breathe and think and 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 probably like i'm gonna make a better decision if i if i if I didn't, probably I wouldn't make a, a good decision if I didn't stop to think and, and, and breathe in that moment. And jiu-jitsu taught me that pretty much like a, every time I train, you know. How
0: you know, about you, Bernardo? And,
2: uh, yeah, I think for me, like uh, jiu-jitsu was, it's its almost like my philosophy of life, you know, like when, I, when I'm when i in tough situations in life, I, I almost think like if that was a jiu-jitsu match, what I would do now, you <laughs> like, and uh, I think also like the, the what I did in jiu-jitsu in my career, I tried to do in my life. And you know? also, uh, I always try to focus on what I'm good at, and focus a little, not focus as much on what I'm not good at. So uh, I always try to like maximize my what I do well, and and leave on the side what I'm, what I don't do that well. You know, like so think that helps a lot and also this like feeling of like uh, hard work mixed with not like not giving up you know like so what I can do in my life to how can I work very hard in my life and not give up, you know, like be very consistent that kind of stuff. So I think if you if you if you if you, if you take life as a jiu jitsu match it's a, it's a very good comparison. <laughs>
1: We've got another great fan question here, and uh, feel free to throw a couple ideas out there. Don't need to have just one, but um, if you could share one or two key principles uh, for someone to improve their jujitsu, like what, what's the one thing that people should really focus on, or one or two things, what would that? What would you guys share? What would you guys tell someone? Um, so someone starting out, that is, like a white belt. Marcelo, go first. Go first.
2: Uh, I go first. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I went first I the first time. Okay, okay, <laughs> Bernardo, you get to go first. Uh, yeah. uh, no, I think like being consistent, you know, like because uh, I think like Jiu-Jitsu it's like life, right? If you try to learn anything in life and you're not consistent, it's gonna be hard to learn. And the jiu-jitsu in the same time that it's fair, it's very unfair because you can be the best jiu-jitsu person in the world. If you stop training for two years, when you come back it's going to hurt, you know, like <laughs> you will see the lower level guy kick your ass and <laughs> that kind of stuff. So you got to be consistent, you know, like so even when uh, when someone tells me like, oh, I think I'm going to stop training Jitsu because I'm very busy and blah, blah, blah. I always try to say, like, don't stop, you know, try to. If you cannot train every day, train two times per week. If you cannot train three times per week, train also a week. If you cannot train also a week, train also every other week. But if you stop, that's where you completely like go towards the other side of the curve you know like you, you, you're gonna get bad like uh, and not only your jiu already right? you're, you're healthy as well and that kind of stuff so I think as everything in life right if you stop doing something you get bad very quick and it's very hard to get good and it's very easy to get bad so, <laughs> So that's like my, my advice.
0: That's a good quote. Very hard to get good and very easy to get bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: something like that.
0: <laughs> what would you be your advice, your advice to a new wipeout? Uh, or if you could go back and talk to yourself as a wipeout, what would you say, Marcelo? Uh, something that
3: helped me. And I, I didn't know that I, I would be able to use that for so long. And Bernardo just mentioned that. And I, I think that is a, it's a very strong point. It's like a, Know what you do really good and know what you do really bad. So the day they did a good move, remember that and try reapply the move as soon as possible on the next roll, on the on the second training section, on the next day. Whatever you did good as a white belt, just remember that because that was not is not luck. Joseph, there's no luck. If you did something, it's because it worked. If you did something, it was because like I used the right uh, method up to apply the technique. But at the same time, everything that didn't work, just don't do again. But obviously, to don't do again, you have to remember. You have to remember what you did good, and you got to remember what you did uh, wrong. And when I say remember to do wrong, because if you got cut on that guillotine, you cannot put your head there again, because probably like it's, the guy wasn't lucky either. He did because, like, uh, you put your head on the wrong place. <laughs> so as a white belt, just try to remember, everything that works, try to do it again. Everything didn't work, don't <laughs> do it again.
0: Great advice. Uh, All right, this is a, a question I'm sure you've gotten a lot, but uh, people have asked it a bunch in both the Facebook and YouTube comments. Do either of you guys plan on ever competing again? Like, would you ever do another match against, like, a Masters guy or anything like that? I'll let uh, I, Marcelo lead off on this one.
3: Uh, I, I want to compete again uh, my, obviously now it's even hard to think about competing again yeah. <laughs> the of this situation. obviously like the, 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 the folks ha- has changed now but most of the time like uh, I feel like if I if I go compete right now I'm gonna be self fishing about like my family and my kids. I'll feel like I'm going to be taking my time off from then. When I say take, take my time off, like it's not just on the weekend that I will that I compete and my wife feel like, oh, you can rest, you're going to compete tomorrow. No, it's about that day that I'll come home, I'm going to be super tired because I'm training really hard and maybe I don't want to play with my kids on that day. Uh, the day that like I feel like, oh, I cannot do this with my kids because I have to train one more time today. So if I'm going to compete right now, probably I'm going to be selfish and don't spend that much time with my kids and, guys, reality, like, our kids, they, they grow so fast. So if you miss one day, if you miss one week, if you miss one, one important occasion, those doesn't come back. And I did compete so much, and I enjoy compete. And today, probably enjoy even more because I don't, I don't feel that much pressure like before. And I know I can do that later. So I know soon, like, my kids going to grow grow up more, they're not going to need me to clean the bottle, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So as soon as they grow up a little bit more, I'm going to be back to do things that like a, a it's fun to just to do it by myself. But in my whole career, I was always like a, so selfish. You have to be selfish and like a, to, to get like most of the time where we are. When I say where we are, I'm talking about like a, we don't be strained. I don't think Ben had liked to miss train two in his career. I don't know how he was at the poor belt. But guys, I didn't put anything on front of my train. My my train was the most important thing in the whole world. So I was being selfish about all this, and I was always put like not just my train, but obviously I was myself. I was putting myself first, and I was nice to everybody, all my friends. But don't don't think like oh, okay, come hang out with us. You you can train tomorrow. I was like, no, I can't hang out with you today. You know what I mean. So I, I can help you in whatever you need after my train so the reality is like uh, I, I've been selfish a lot about my training my entire life so now is the time that like uh, I'm just enjoying, don't put myself first and just put my family you know I was like uh, when you have a kids like uh, they, they depend so much of you in in every little thing so I've been enjoying now to do this and whenever I have a chance, to do things just for myself, I'll, I'll go back and do it. But I cannot say it's going to be next year. I, I'm, I have a dream, I have a dream, and I don't think I've, I'm, I've been cocky about that, cocky about that. But I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying that like, a, I, I want to compete the Abu Dhabi once after forty. So okay, I think it's a good goal, and I, I. I am not gonna be 40. I'm not gonna be. For, uh, it's not gonna. It's not gonna have Abu Dhabi when I'm 40. The Abu Dhabi is gonna be when I'm 41. So, guys, I never put a goal. Know that I can do it. So I, I just put the goals like, a, oh, I, I I just wanna try. So why not compete one on Abu Dhabi after 40? You know?
0: So you're thinking ADCC 2021? Is that what you're saying? 2021? Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> <I> 2023. <hate laughs> 2020, 20, 20, So you're thinking twenty twenty
1: three.
3: Yes. Oh wow.
0: Well, that would definitely, I think, be pretty that would be for Everybody. <laughs> that's yeah. That's big news. Uh, all right, Bernardo. What
3: goal. about you? Go. Why not? Mm.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> what about super fights, Marcelo? Is there any super fights that you would want, or are you just thinking come back and get an Abu Dhabi run?
3: Super fights would be great, but. I, I I I talk with people a lot. i I'm just I, I get a lot of proposals, and everything is about like uh, give give me some years because my kids is, they're still too young, you know, they still cannot clean their, their butt by themselves. i still gotta do this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so how old are you gonna be in 2023? I'm 41. Okay, all right. So you're gonna you want to come back and and try and win Abu Dhabi at 41 years old? That's amazing, incredible.
3: Look, try is one thing. I just you know. To win is another one, but why not try? You
1: know? Yeah, I love it. I love it, Bernardo. What about you? Any uh, any lingering super fights or, or tournaments that you might show up at that you might want to do?
2: Uh, I think only the next life. <laughs> 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 well,
0: no, uh, 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 I'm
2: not. I'm not planning like uh, as 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 Marcel was saying. Like uh, when when I used to compete, uh, I was pretty similar. Like. Uh, Jiu Jitsu, the competition side would be my entire life, you know, like so I, I would focus my entire life for training. And I could it w- was really hard to do anything else, you know, like and nowadays I'm like laser focused on, on BGJ Fanatics and, and the those websites, so it w- would take me a lot to leave off this on the side to focus and train and this and that. So and I also don't want to compete not being who I was, you know. Like if if I'm gonna ever compete, I want to be that guy and you know, I want to be there like 100% preparing, and go there like 50 or 60% just to have the feeling of competition. I also competed a lot, like from 2001 to 2017, and uh, I miss the competition. I miss those times, but I don't miss the preparation. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm. Uh, I think like I'm, I'm really like done, and I might never compete again. Even though I, w- I wish I, I wish I could press a click, and I mean the day of the tournament, I trained very hard for like six months, <laughs> and uh, but uh, it's impossible to do that, and uh, I don't, I'm not gonna have the time and the focus to do what has to be done to be there. So all right.
0: Uh, man amazing interview with you guys I I feel like there's so many fan questions that that were good we didn't have time to get to there's so much more we could have talked about I think we got to do this again sometime (laughs) this is uh, maybe our best interview yet guys thank you so much this was so much fun with both of you thanks so much Marcelo and Bernardo for calling in
2: thank you thanks so much
1: Michael. do you guys have any any messages for your fans out there anything you want to say before we log off
3: guys just to this tough situation I just want to advise just to stay strong when I say strong is like, uh, uh, obviously, like uh, some some people like is doing good, something some some people is doing worse. I hope I hope like uh, not that many people are sick over that, but just just stay strong and and think about jujitsu a little bit. If you know jujitsu, that's the time to use a jujitsu. When I say jujitsu, like just just stay calm because I feel a lot of people is under depression. But obviously, like, there's a lot of people worse than us. So just 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 give the thoughts about everybody that is out there
0: right now. All right, guys. Yeah, well, Thank you, Bernardo. Anything from you to your fans out there?
2: Yeah, no, pr- pr- pretty similar here. Like uh, it's, it's we're we're living in such like weird environment now, right? Like something that has never happened, at least since I was born. And uh, so I think uh, I hope everybody stays strong and uh, don't don't go outside. Stay at home, and uh, let's hope we go through this together. And soon everything's back to normal.
0: All right, guys. Thank you very much. I had a great time today. We got to try and do this again sometimes. Uh, all right. Everybody out there, stay safe. We'll be back uh, Monday. We got a crazy week next week. We got Hydra Gracie and Braulio calling in on Tuesday, Eddie Bravo on Friday. There's a lot of big names next week. Oh, Monday is Lucas Leppard. say? Lucas
1: Lepre on Monday. Yeah, right?
0: Lucas, Lucas Leppard on Monday. Uh, yeah, big week next next week, guys. Everybody tune in. Thanks, guys. Great to talk to you. See you guys next thank week at home.
2: You Bye, guys. Bye, guys.